did. And the Bible says, let your light shine before men so they can see your good works and give praise and glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we shine brighter and shine farther, our quote that we're using is the church that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest abroad. And we want to continue to shine brighter here right here in Sulphur Springs so we can shine brighter around the world. Now here's the deal with shining brighter and shining farther. Last week we talked about setting out a plan and we talked about everybody has a home run on the inside of them. The very first thing that I talked about was grabbing hold of the bat and stepping up to the plate and so you can hit the home run. You've never hit a home run without first stepping up to a plate. Can I get an amen? Then though you step up to the plate, you can't hit the home run. Then we went to talk on what first base was, what second base was, what third base was, and what home plate was. And we want you to make a home run all the way around, come to home plate, and be victorious in your life. The problem that many of us face is there's a spirit of fear about the body of Christ that we're afraid to step up to the plate. And as I was um, studying and praying this week, I was beginning to ask God, and here's, here's, how, here's how my studying and prayer time goes during the week. As soon as this morning's message is done, I'll be walking out that door right there, and here's the first question I ask God about um, as I walk out that door. God, what do you want me to preach on next Sunday? Okay? It's not that I wait till Thursday and start getting something together and maybe have it ready by Friday. It's the second I walk out that door, it's going to be about at 12, 15 today, I'm going to be telling God, asking God, God, what do you want me to preach on? And God began to reveal to me all throughout the week different areas areas of fear that the body of Christ faces throughout their whole life. And, and this morning, it's going to be a little bit different sermon than I've ever done before, okay? So I need you to bear with me on this, okay? And as we're going to do something a little bit different than I've ever done before in the preaching, I want you to know that we're walking you through a process this morning that when you leave today, you're going to be delivered of a spirit of fear, okay? Amen? How many of y'all have ever wanted to do something for the body of Christ and just didn't do it because of some reason, okay? Usually that reason's not an excuse. It's because a spirit of fear has overtaken you and something became more important than what God was calling you to do. So the title of this morning's message is called Fear This. Fear This. Now, many of you, when you think of that term, fear this, you're thinking of, yeah, you need to be afraid of this because I'm all that, amen? I got it going on and I know... And I know that I got something amazing to do for the kingdom of God. That's what everybody thinks when we use the term fear this. But here's the reality of it. Most people say, Pastor, I can't because I have a fear of this. I can't do that because I'm afraid to speak in front of people. I can't do that because I'm afraid about what my parents will think. I can't do that because what would my coworkers say? I can't do that because of this, because of that. And it all stems back to a spirit of fear. I can tell you what I struggle with most in my life, okay? And I'm being very transparent with you this morning. What I struggle with most in my life is a fear of rejection, okay? So stepping up on the stage every Sunday morning, I got over 500 chances to be rejected every single Sunday, okay? And so whatever I struggle with the most in my life is this, it's a fear of rejection because I want people to like me <laughs> but when you get called a pastor God doesn't give you the book how to win friends and influence people <laughs> amen he doesn't give you that book so whenever I begin to prepare a message whenever I begin to walk in the anointing of God I have to begin to realize that I have not been given a spirit of fear but a spirit of power a spirit of love and of a sound mind amen and so this morning God's going to give you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind that's going to transform the world you live in. So as we begin this process this morning, I believe so much in what I'm going to preach on this morning. I even wrote part of my doctoral thesis on this part of the message that I'm giving you this morning. And so as we begin to get into the word of God, we've got to begin to understand that as we step up to the plate, and you're going to step up to the plate, many of us get the picture of this. We step up to the plate, and we don't see the wall that we're about to hit a home run over. What we see is the nine people about trying to get us out. We don't see the wall that we're fixing to hit a home run over. You know what Babe Ruth did when he got up to bat? He did this right here. 
Now, I ain't playing. Watch the old videos of Babe Ruth. He's like, he didn't look at the nine other people. He did this right here. The problem is many of us step up to the plate, and we got the demon catcher behind us saying, you're going to strike out. You're going to strike out. Norman, you're just not good enough. Norman, you can't do that. I can't believe you'd even step up and try that. You got the catcher behind you saying, Jeff, you're not worthy. Saying, Aaron, you have no business getting up there singing. Crystal, you don't need to be leading an LOL. You got the demon catcher behind you talking noise. Then you look out after hearing all the trash talking from the demon catcher, and you see the pitcher hurling stuff straight at your head. <laughs> Amen? Now, that's what I don't get about baseball, y'all. Somebody throwing a 90-plus mile an hour ball straight at my head, I'm not all about. <laughs> you baseball players, you got courage that I admire, because <laughs> I don't want to stand there and let somebody throw a ball at me 95 miles an hour. You notice when you get up to the plate, you got him talking trash. You got the demon pitcher throwing balls straight at your head trying to get you out. And the only thing you start remembering is the last time you stepped up to bat and how you struck out. The last time you tried to do something great for the kingdom of God and you think it backfired on you. I'll never forget the first person I invited to church. This was his answer. This happened to me in sixth grade, okay? This happened to me in sixth grade. And to tell you how much the fear of rejection has hindered me throughout my life, I still remember this very first rejection I got for the gospel's sake, okay? And so the very first rejection I got, I went up to shake this kid's hand. I said, hey, I'd really like you to come to church with me. And he said, I don't want to go to church. I don't like church. I don't even like your God. And my parents said he doesn't even exist and he's not real. So why would you even ask me something like that and turn around and walk away? This was a sixth grader. Man, I was taken. I didn't know what to do. I stepped back and I was like, oh, oh. See, because my own little world just got its bubble bursted. Surely, everybody should love the God that I love, and everybody knows about the God that I know about. God, I was doing something for you, and you know what? God, I struck out, or so I thought. See, there's no telling where the seeds you plant, where they're being harvested today. And so some of you remember the very first time you ever struck out, and that's hindered you from going forward in your, in your, in your process of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, if I can tell you this morning, if you've ever felt like you've struck out, and that's your fear, or you're worried about the person pitching at you, that's your fear, or you're busy, too busy listening to the devil, whether that's causing your fear, or you got the three great outfielders out there, that's causing your fear, or you got the third baseman, you got the second baseman, you got the shortstop, you got the first baseman, and you're looking at all these things, and you're giving yourself nine reasons to quit, but you only need one pitch to hit a home run. You hear me on that? You only need one pitch to hit a home run. And so this morning, we're fixing to set this whole congregation free from a spirit of fear and a spirit of rejection and a spirit of failure and a spirit of I'm not good enough and a spirit of I don't know about what tomorrow holds, so I'm not going to step out today. Amen. All those things stem back from a spirit of fear. Also, this morning, if you struggle with anxiety, it's birthed with a spirit of fear. If you struggle with stress, it's a spirit of fear, okay? So all these things that culminate, and some of you are struggling physically, and you're praying, God, why don't you heal my physical body? Well, the problem that your physical body's facing is not a, a physical healing. It needs a spiritual adjustment because it's simply the result of stress and anxiety. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, a sp- a depression, it's, it's marked with a spirit of fear. You struggle with depression, it's bound up with spirit of fear all over it okay so all these things that we're going to deal with this morning you're going to leave here and you're going to be set free and you're going to do the awesome things that God's called you to do so here's what happens what you believe will have a direct effect on how and if you even swing the bat what you believe will have a direct effect on how and if you even swing the bat what do I mean by that what I believe has a direct effect on how I preach and if I believe that your acceptance of me was more important than God's acceptance of me I would preach completely different, okay? I would. I would preach completely different because what you believe directly affects how you swing the bat. 
What you believe about your life, about your step of faith, will directly affect how you get up with this driving force that's connected to a power source that's going to hit the ball over the fence. So what you begin to believe this morning is going to have a direct effect on how you leave here today. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to change what you believe with this one verse of Scripture. And 1 John 4, 4 says, little children, you are from God. Everybody say, I am, I am. from God. Now listen, if you are from God, now just by saying that, it ought to instill some faith in you. Some of you are automatically thinking because now that you're involved in an atmosphere of faith, it's easy to start believing in an atmosphere of faith. It's when you get out there by yourself, it's kind of hard to believe some things because you're all alone. But now that you're in an atmosphere of faith, some of you just by saying, I am from God, it's birthed something on the inside of you saying, what am I even afraid of if I'm from God? If God is for me, who can be against me? I'm from God. Now listen to this. The Bible says you are from God and you have overcome them. Now, who's them? The pitcher, the catcher, first, second, third base, shortstop, outfield. You've overcome them, all those things coming against you. You have overcome them. Why? Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. If we're ever gonna overcome a spirit of fear, we first got to remember, we are from God, and we've overcome them because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world, okay? So I, basically every Sunday morning I get, get, get up here to preach, it's this. I am from God and I have overcome all your opinions, good, bad, or otherwise. Remember, I deal, uh, I, I'm rephrase. I used to deal with the spirit of rejection, <laughs> amen? So I've overcome all your opinions because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And you'll find this out a lot, about a lot of pastors and people with type A personalities. You're, you're big charismatic leaders. They have big insecurity issues. That's birthed in a spirit of fear, okay? That's a spirit of rejection. They have big insecurity issues. Well, pastor, everybody loves you. You give me a hug. That don't mean I know you love me, <laughs> amen? You know, some people hug you with a knife in their hand and just kind of stab you in the back five times as they're leaving. If we're gonna begin to walk in a spirit of faith, we gotta understand that we are from God, number one, and we've overcome them because greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Now, how does even a spirit of fear get birthed on the inside of us? Here's what happens. Listen to this. Something occurs. Something occurs through life experiences that cause false foundational beliefs. Because of my fear of rejection, because of the thing that happened to me in sixth grade, and y'all, sixth grade was a long time ago, and it's getting longer and longer. Because of what happened to me in sixth grade, I had developed a false foundational belief that everybody I invite to church is going to say no. I dealt with that even when I started the church. God, why would anybody want to come to the church that I preach at? I was told no. So false foundational beliefs get embedded in your conscious by an experience. And listen, because of that experience, you begin to judge everything else in your life by that one experience. How many of y'all have ever had a bad relationship in your life? Now listen, I get this every time I'm counseling with women. Here's what I get. All men are pigs. <laughs> Excuse me, do you not realize you're talking to a man? You came to me for help and you're calling me a pig? Are you, are you serious? And I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm just going to love them. I would never do that. All men are pigs. Is she meaning I'm a pig? No, she wouldn't have cared for counseling if she thought I was a pig. But what is she saying? I am viewing all men right now because of this one experience, because of this one relationship, because of this one issue in my life. And everything in their life is now viewed through those lenses. Everything that they do is now viewed through those lenses. Everything that they struggle with is now viewed through those lenses. Dads, this is why you need to love your daughters. Because if you don't love your daughters, they're going to get false foundational beliefs about what kind of guy they need to date. Mamas, you need to take your boys out on dates, and daddies, you need to take your daughters out on dates, and daddies, you need to treat your daughter exactly like you think she'd be, she should be treated on a date. You should open the car for your daughter. You should open the door and help her get in. You should close the door. You should buy her a flower, dad. All y'all who went to the father-daughter dance last night, I applaud you, because you're treating your girls like they deserve to be treated. Amen? I applaud you. 
Mamas, this is what you need to do. You need to take your boys on a date and you need to say, now son, this is how you treat a woman. I'm gonna walk up to the door and you're gonna open my car door for me. But why, mom? Because this is how a gentleman treats a lady. And, I, and mama, you didn't raise no heathen. <laughs> and mamas, you need to start training them so they don't get in their first dating relationship and have a bad experience and every relationship after that will, will then begin to fail because of their one bad experience. If you give them great experience after great experience after great experience from the time they're five to the time that they're 15 and start start dating, 15 and start dating, 15 and start dating, not 12, Jeff says 30. (laughs) Not one, two, three, four, five-year-olds dating, no, 15 and start dating, amen. And listen, here's the truth of the matter. Scientific fact proves this. You don't even have full um, the uh, mental capacity to fully think until you're 24. Your frontal part of your brain, your decision-making part of your brain, the frontal lobe is the decision-making part of your brain. It is not fully developed till you're 24. How many of y'all got married before 24? And now how many of y'all know, Lord Jesus, if I'd known then what I know now? <laughs> y'all are like, everybody's looking around the front row for Sherry. <laughs> y'all pray for her. She's at home throwing up right now because she knows what I'm preaching on. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> your experience, something occurs. Something that occurs in your life, it gives you a lens on how you'll view everything for the rest of your life. Many of you who have had negative experiences in a relationship are afraid to get into another relationship or you go into that next relationship hurt and you know hurt people hurt people, (laughs) amen? And so you're viewing everything through those lenses and you've got false foundational beliefs because you believed in experience over the word of God. Now listen to this. So the first thing that happened is something occurs. As As a result of the event occurring, beliefs are harbored in your mind that are usually lie-based. Now listen, we live with the lies of the devil that are saying this. If you get up to bat again, you're just going to get hit with another pitch. You get back in that dating relationship, you're just going to get hit with another pitch. You get plugged in over here, and you're just going to get hit with another pitch. This happens, you're just going to get hit with another pitch. If this goes on, and you step out to do this thing, you're going to get hit with another pitch. And so here's the problem that we all face over and over and over and over again. Y'all don't worry about our intercessors. They're just going to keep praying throughout the whole message, okay? So y'all just keep praying for them as they're praying for y'all this morning, okay? And so here's what's going on. And so when you get up to bat, and you're... Core beliefs now are like, if I get into this, all as I know is what happened last time, I'm going to get hurt again. So I even tried again. Some of you have even said this before you joined our church. I vowed I would never go back to church again till I saw your church. I'm glad you gave God another chance. But you even came into our church doors with skewed lenses on because of your past church hurt. That's fine. I have no issues with that. It's just, here's the, here's the one thing. We want to get you healthy because healthy people reproduce. Amen? Healthy churches reproduce. The, one of the greatest things of wisdom I've ever been told, don't worry about launching evangelism programs. Get your people healthy because healthy Christians naturally attract other people that want to get healthy. So if we can get you healthy, you're just automatically going to say, hey, I went here, I got delivered, saved, healed, set free. My baby got baptized. All these things happen, and we begin to grow. And so in your life, we've got to get to the point where you get healthy and you aren't worried about the next thing that's coming down the line. Because because of a bad experience in your life, you end up having false foundational beliefs and that's the result. Now, listen to this. Here's the thing you've got to begin to understand. There's a big difference between what happened and your interpretation. What happened versus your interpretation are two different things. Now, here's how I can prove this to you. Many of you have been hurt and it's over 15 years old that you're hurting with and here's the deal. You don't remember what happened. You just remember the emotional pain attached with what happened. You don't remember necessarily word for word what happened, what took place. What you do remember is the emotional pain that me and Miss so-and-so got in this big fight or me and Mr. so-and-so got in this big fight and he said this and she said this and you notice how the story begins to grow on what each other said? 
you don't really remember what happened at all. You just have a great big connection with the pain you experienced. And now every time, we, since we're using relationships, every time a new relationship comes around, you're afraid because all you remember is the pain and you never got healed of the pain so you never were able to walk in victory and so now you can't have a properly established relationship. Same thing with church. Many of you, because of your past church hurt, you haven't let God heal it so you have now been incapable of moving on and being a productive member of the kingdom of God. And many of you know that in your life you want to do more for the kingdom. I would love to, God, but... I actually got an email not too long ago from this person who said this, I would love to come back to church, but somebody in your church slandered my name at the career we work with, and now I can't come back. Listen to this. Listen to what happened. They heard something that happened. They didn't have facts. They heard. And because of what happened versus their interpretation, they've let their interpretation not just separate them from a a person at their work, but literally from the body of Christ. And as you learned three weeks ago, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. So do you see how the enemy's winning all the way around through this process of a spirit of fear overtaking the lives of people? And so in this process that we're going through, you've got to realize that whenever there is a core-based lie belief in your life, it happens because something occurred in your life. When something occurs in your life, the result is you view all other things in your life that pertain to that area through skewed lenses or messed up vision because you can only read through this by through the lenses of what what you've experienced. And so when that begins to take place in your life, you get to the place where your interpretation becomes more important than what actually happened. And now that your interpretation is more what is more important than what actually happened, here's what takes place. An inner struggle takes place. The inner struggle, the lie-based core beliefs that are embedded into our minds, our subconscious, listen, run in contrast to the logical truths and the way we attempt to live. For example, a lot of people say, Pastor, I believe in tithing. I believe in it. It's in the word of God. I believe in it. But because your experience has been, you don't tithe. See, your logical belief, what you say you believe, will run in contrast, hear me on this, to what is actually taking place. Your experience of a situation has more power than your logical cognitive belief, okay? So what we gotta do is we gotta change this cognitive thinking into an experience that sets this experience straight with the truth. And so when you begin to understand the Bible is truth and this is what the word of God says, but pastor, my experience is this, it's gonna take an experience with the truth to override this experience to take over this lie-based core belief, okay? Some of y'all looks like I just lost you, okay? Let, let me give you an example. If you've had a bad relationship in your life, you need to have a positive experience with the relationship with Christ to override that bad relationship, okay? Um, some of you had, have, had bad parental relationships in your life, and every time I say you have a loving Heavenly Father, all you think of is the Father who abused you. It's gonna take an experience with the real Father to override this lie-based core belief that all fathers are abusive and ugly and mean. See, here's the biggest problem we face in America today. We have a whole generation of young people who have grown up without fathers or their fathers were absent in the household even though they were still married. And so we have a whole generation of fatherless people and every time we say, God the Heavenly Father loves you, all they think of is my father was never there, my father abused me, my father beat me, my father said I was worthless. So you say father, they equate it with their experience, not with the word of God. So what it's gonna take is a positive experience with the word of God to override this false foundational core belief that you're living by. Amen? And so when we begin to overtake those false foundational core beliefs, God's going to begin to heal on the inside of you. The problem is we end up being the book of James all over again. Listen to what James says. James explains this in James 1, 6 through 8. It says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable, 
in all he does. Now listen, as the inner struggle takes place, it is a common reality in many of us, a person is truly capable of holding two different beliefs at the same time. Some of y'all are saying how? James just said how, you're double-minded. What we feel in any given moment is the reality of what we experientially believe. This belief can run contrary to the logical truth that we just talked about. So many of you, you come here and say, Pastor, I know it is God's will for this to take place in my life. I know God is the healer. I know God is the supplier. I know God is the relationship restorer. I know God is all these things because the Bible says so. But at the same time, your mind is saying, but remember when? But remember when? But remember when? But remember when? And so this is why many Christians say one thing, but when it comes right down to it, never step up to the plate. It's because all the way up until now, you've had this logical truth going on in your head. Your head says this, your head says this, and you've memorized it, and you memorized it, and you memorized it, and you memorized it, and it's gone over and over and over in your mind of what the Bible says you are up until the point of you having to actually do that. Correct? And when it gets to the point of you actually stepping out and do that, fear sets in because of this false core belief, and you end up submitting to fear rather than what you cognitively know in your head. Correct? And so when you cognitively know something in your head or your mind, your will and your emotions, you have it there, but an experience comes to combat it, experience always wins. So if experience always wins over the cognitive mindset, what do you got to do to change this? Have a new experience. This is why I always tell people who, who said, I got saved when I was five. I say, tell me about your salvation experience. Okay? Tell me about your experience, not the day you just said a prayer. Tell me about your experience. Because when you have an experience with God, it's going to set you on the path of righteousness, victory, overcoming, and going to the next level. Okay? When you have a um, time at the altar where you just say words and no experience, you're never going to amount to a lot in your life. Because you're living on this thing that you did rather than an experience with God Almighty. Now, if experience always wins out, let's start having some good experiences, okay? Some of you have been hindered in this shine brighter, shine farther vision because you're afraid to step out by faith because the last time you got involved in a ministry, you got hurt, okay? Well, let's give you a new experience, okay? To give you a new experience, the first thing we gotta do is set you free from the bondage of fear that's holding you back from even attempting a new experience. Because I can challenge you to step up to the plate, step up to the plate all day long, but the truth is, if this spirit of fear is not broken off, you can't even get out of the dugout. Correct? And so our job here this morning is to simply do this, get you out of the dugout. Get you out of the place where everybody's sitting, get you to the place where you actually have a capability to hit a home run. Get you to the place where you actually have the ability to rise up and be all that God has called you to be. Get you to the place where you can become overflowing in every area of your life. Listen, one false thing that many people believe that this is the answer to, many of us think the answer to overcoming these lie-based core beliefs is to read more, study more, and gain more knowledge. Okay? Well, if I just, I'm struggling with this, so if I just read the Bible more, that's a good thing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying do not read the Bible more. But I'm saying as you read the Bible, if you don't have an experience with the Bible... You're never going to be set free from lust as long as you live. Amen. Amen? 
If you don't have an experience with the Bible, you're not going to be set free from this relationship destruction as long as you live. If you don't have an experience with the Bible, you're not going to be set free from this fear of tithing as long as you live. If you don't have an experience with the Word of God, you're not going to be set free from anything that's holding you in bondage. Because listen to this. Read more, study more, pray more. Listen, data replaces data. Experience replaces experience. So all the data that you've got in your head is great. This is where the Bible says the word must go from logos, the written word, to rhema, the revealed word. When the word goes from written to revealed, then an experience occurs and God undoes that lie-based core belief that's been holding you in bondage all your life. Okay? Some of you are on your fifth marriage because the first marriage you had is a lie-based core belief and you keep living through that same marriage. Okay, well, get set free from that so God can make sure this marriage turns out good, amen? And listen, some of you in your life, you're afraid to do anything for the kingdom of God because you, like me, have been rejected before for the gospel's sake. Listen, let's have a new experience. Let's have a new experience with the gospel. Let's have a new experience with the word of God. Some of you this morning, you struggle with a fear of failure. You struggle with a fear of failure. Pastor, what if I try and I fail? What if you try and you succeed? Well, pastor, that doesn't help what I just asked. Exactly, because you're never gonna try until you know you succeed. So here's what we gotta do. Your fear of failure, this is what happens. Your fear of failure is right here. God, I'm afraid to step out and try. Have a new experience. When you have a new experience, God will begin to change your fear of failure into a spirit of success. When he begins to change the spirit of failure to a spirit of success, you're gonna begin to attempt more and great and mighty things. Those of you who have a fear of rejection, have an experience with the God who doesn't reject. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Those of you who have a fear of failure, have an experience with the God who's never failed. So it's not, what if you succeed? It's, no, have an experience with the God who's never failed. And the Bible just says, you are from God. God's on the inside of you. That means you have a spirit of success automatically embedded in you. It's your DNA. You've just been believing a lie of the enemy. You've got more faith in the pitcher hitting you with the ball than you have faith in yourself hitting a home run. Some of you have a fear of, I'm a control freak. People need to have a plan, a strategy, amen? But you're so afraid that you don't have tomorrow planned out, you never step out to accomplish today. Pastor, I would love to step out and do this, but what about this? So you never move today because you don't have tomorrow planned. This is what Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If you are that kind of person who says, I'm afraid because I don't know the next step, I never step out and do this step, God says he knows every hair that's on your head. God's all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent. And listen, this is what the Bible says in John. The comfort of the Holy Spirit will tell you what is to come. John 16, 13, go look it up. I'll send the Holy Spirit. I call him the comforter. He will tell you what is to come. So you may not know about what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who holds tomorrow so he can tell me what's going to go on tomorrow. <laughs> I told this in my best friend the Holy Spirit class last week. There are times when people say, pastor, I need to come sit down and counsel with you. Not to call you a pig, but to come sit down and counsel with you. And I was like, okay, no big deal. And here's what I do. I said, God, tell me what this meeting's about. Because you guys are very secretive when you want to talk to me. Pastor, we need to talk. I got an issue. Or I got a problem. Well, can you enlighten me? No, we'll just, let's talk in person. Could you give me a hint here? <laughs> Help me out a little bit. <laughs> I mean, what if I just showed up at your door? We got to talk. I got an issue, a problem. You'd be like, oh, we'll put the shoe on the other foot sometimes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But just because you won't tell me doesn't mean I don't have the ability to know. And many times, somebody will walk in my office, and they'll sit down, and I'll say, what's going on? And they'll get about two sentences out, and I said, God's revealing this to me about your life. And God's telling me this, what's going on. And here's your main struggle, and they'll just be like, how did you know all that? Well, it wasn't because you told me. Now hear me on this. If you got a fear of tomorrow, you need to talk to the one who knows tomorrow. Have an experience with him. God, lead, guide, direct me. So all these fears, there's an answer to them, but the answer is not try harder, work more. The answer is have an experience with God because he can relate to you on every issue. 
The answer is going before God and saying, God, here's my issue. I struggle with this, God. I go before God and say, God, I struggle with this. This fear of rejection, y'all, I struggle with it for years. And there's even some Sunday mornings when it tries to come back up on me. Like this morning, matter of fact. Amen? Why are you going to preach on that, Joel? Nobody's going to understand what you're saying. Nobody's going to be set free this morning. Nobody's going to understand what you're talking about. They're going to make fun of you because you're telling stories of when you got rejected in the sixth grade. Y'all, all those thoughts have gone through my head. Not before church, in the midst of the worship set. But because I've had such an amazing experience with God, I trust my experience with God way more than the lie of the catcher behind me saying, you're not worthy. I'm telling you, you got to have an experience with God. And you got to let God change some things in your life. Heavenly Father, in the name of